What's up? You're listening to the Scholarly Spark podcast. Here's your chance to finally become interested in learning and find out what you're genuinely curious about. Join me as we discover the secrets of South Asia and experience different foods, the latest technologies, immerse ourselves in a variety of phenomenal cultures, find out about interesting people we never knew existed, and learn about what no one else dared to find out. I'm Kamal Narayanan, taking you on a journey through the mysteries of South Asia, all from the convenience of your headphones. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I hope you are having the absolute greatest day of your life. And if you are not, I know this podcast will make it the absolute greatest day of your life. And if it still isn't the absolute greatest day of your life after this podcast, keep a lookout for a special phone call today. Someone will call you today and that will change your life. Keep on looking out for that. So uh, anyways, today on the Scholarly Spark podcast, we are going to be looking at migration, specifically migration trends within South Asia. We will be investigating exactly what migration is what are the effects of it? What are the causes of it? What are its results? Where does it happen most frequently? And all the good stuff like that. And today is part one of a part three series. And we'll be talking about an introduction to migration. And as always, before we start, you know, we got to start with the fun fact. I bet that you did not know that the very first human form that evolved way, way, way back around like two million years ago, it was Homo erectus. That was the very first human to migrate. It's pretty cool. It blows my mind. So we're going to be talking today about you know, a general introduction and overview to migration. And so I feel it's important to start with an official definition of migration. So, you know, migration is just the act of moving from one place to another. We all do it. And honestly, we can't get enough of it. Sometimes we migrate to the store. Sometimes we migrate to other people's houses. And sometimes we migrate to other countries. And sometimes we even migrate to other continents. And sometimes we even migrate to other worlds. That's what, that's what we're trying to do with all these like NASA space adventures. We're trying to migrate from Earth to Mars. So as, as always, as, as you know, uh, humans are rarely ever still. And sometimes migration, like I said before, can take on a more serious form, like a more uh, legitimate form rather than just house to house or kind of country to country. Sometimes it can happen from continent to continent or subregion to subregion. And today we will be exploring the intricacies of emigration, specifically out of one of the world's most culturally explosive subregions, South Asia. And why these people in South Asia just happen to feel the need to leave their home country instead of just staying put and relaxing on their couches. So there are a couple of reasons why they don't just relax on their couches. There's a couple of reasons why they actually have the motivation, willpower to get up and go to another country, whether it be within the same South Asian region or whether it be in a different continent. And the reasons they do that are actually quite complex. And that's why I'm here today to break it down for you. So in any region, in, in our case, uh, specifically South Asia, you have workers. And these workers can be broadly divided into two main groups, the unskilled laborers and the skilled laborers. The skilled laborers generally leave their home country to find a better job elsewhere. And they tend to do this via legal immigration. They 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 follow the law. They don't they don't they have you know they're well off enough to be able to follow the law and immigrate to another country and get all the monetary stuff settled. However, uh, there is another there's an unfortunate reality to this. The other half of this uh, labor workforce, the unskilled laborers, they also leave their home country to find a better job or life for themselves or their family elsewhere. But more often than not, these unskilled laborers find themselves circumventing the law 
or engaging in what is known as illegal immigration because they cannot pay the, they do not have the financial means to. And so after migrating, uh, whether it be from country to country or city to city or continent to continent or continent to continent, the effects are felt both on the end of the receiving country and on the end of the sending country. Uh, the f- effects of migration can alter the social and cultural conditions of, like I said before, both the sending and the receiving country significantly. Let's take an example. If you were a worker living in Sri Lanka, but you were being paid basically nothing and wanted a higher paying job, then you would go to another, another more developed country like the United States of America for that higher paying job, for that money. But the thing is, when you go to pursue that big bag of money, you end up elevating your own socioeconomic and financial status, and thus you elevate the status of America, America's GDP, ever so slightly. But your old country, Sri Lanka, they're now sad and like grieving over there that they just lost a worker. And for that reason, their GDP will go down, even if it's ever so slightly. But then, let's say you have a family back in Sri Lanka uh, that you're trying to support, and that's why you went to America to get that money. Then when you send some and say you're you're a good hearted person, you're a nice person, you're not like a mean person, you actually want you want to help those people, your dad and mom out, you would send maybe like half of your money that you earn in America back to your dad and mom. And that financial package that you're sending back to your home country, that is no, that is known as a remittance. These remittances actually make sometimes can make up a very large percentage of the GDP of your home country. By sending monetary support back to your home country, you are essentially partaking in a transaction that will allow for an increase in GDP, like I said, in your home country. So by essentially, as you can see from the story, just by one person migrating, a lot of changes are happening that can really affect both the country you came from and the country that you are now at. Now, South Asia in particular produces a lot of immigrants that are bound to end up at a foreign country sooner or later. However, it also does get a lot of migrants from other subregions and other subcontinents like Southeast Asia or North America or South America. Therefore, South Asia is always changing and it's extremely variable in terms of the composition of its people. For instance, India has what is known as serial migration, where people looking for work come into India, but some other dudes leaving India looking for work in other more developed countries uh, are leaving. So this, you know, this, this ever-changing displacement and replacement of labor in India is a reflection of India's ever-changing culture and variable internal workforce. But the thing is, the main type of South Asian immigration is actually not immigration out of South Asia into another subregion like North America or South America. It's actually between the countries that make up South Asia. Uh, it's called intra-regional migration or just internal migration. The thing, But the thing is, um, this internal migration is actually not documented that well. Uh, the countries that make up South Asia, their borders are not that clearly defined. They don't have very strict border laws that restrict this kind of immigration. So, for example, countries like Nepal and Bhutan basically don't have a border and let people do whatever they want, whenever they want. So, for that reason, most internal migration is actually undocumented and no one really knows about it. And it's actually kind of seasonal, kind of like birds when they migrate, especially in a region like South Asia where all the cultures overlap a lot and are so close-knit, for example, like Indian and Nepalese culture, uh, and the, like, the fact that they intertwine so much, and the immigrants form blended identities of host and home countries that are not really seen as being at odds with local customs. 
But while internal migration is still the most commonly seen of uh, form of migration in South Asia, the data is slowly actually changing in the face of increased globalization. Since 1990, the number of internal migrants has been on the decline, while the number of you know interregional migration uh, migrants, people going from South Asia to other regions, has actually been increasing. Among interregional migrants, most go to the Middle East in unskilled positions. Although educational opportunities and positions in competitive fields like technology and engineering produce significant waves of immigration to Europe and the United States, it is estimated that 95% of inter-regional migrant workers from India, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka are in the Middle East. And so, in order to really fully understand this, I think it's necessary that I guess I give you guys a really quick history lesson about how migration was in the 1900s for South Asia. So prior to the middle of the 20th century, South Asian interregional migration was relatively uncommon. People did not tend to leave the region of South Asia. But local and intra-regional migration or internal migration uh, were also at a much lower rate. Uh, they were at, at a significantly high rate, but they were at a much lower rate than they are now. Free immigrants were extremely rare, with the majority of all international migratory labor from South Asia taking place in the form of indentured servitude, from colonized nations to colonial nations, such as from India to Britain until the Second World War. And after India gained its independence, its economy began to grow slowly, causing an influx in both immigration and emigration. But after World War II, Western nations began to see an increase in the number of South Asian migratory workers due to a changing international economy and an increasing reliance on industrialization. At the same time, immigration laws in countries such as Canada and the United States in the 1940s and the 1950s allowed the inter-regional diaspora community of South Asians to increase exponentially. The 1970s saw an increase in migration in South Asia of all forms for several reasons. The discovery of massive quantities of oil in the Middle Eastern countries led to quite a high demand for unskilled laborers and the formation of Bangladesh uh, when it got its independence in 1971 marked a period of increased immigration as well. Alongside the technology boom of the mid to late 1990s, India began to be viewed as a key player on the world stage. As they exported many migratory workers to more highly paid positions in the fields of engineering, technology, and science. So basically all STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. All nations in the South Asian region have seen an overall increase in the number of what skilled and unskilled migratory out-immigrants since the beginning of the 21st century. So overall, migration has a lot of consequences and causes, and very specific causes and specific uh, results that can actually vary from region to region. So we're only looking at South Asia right here in this podcast, but if you looked at, for example, a region like North America or South America, there are the migration trends, the demographics, the causes and effects would be extremely different. The remittances, the amount of financial packages sent between the home and host countries would be extremely different. And for that reason, migration, it shouldn't really be thought of as like a set pattern or a set trend where people move from one place to another. It should be thought of, you know, as a kind of variable, uh, ever-changing, fluid kind of thing where people, they're not necessarily set on going to one place or they're not necessarily supposed to go to that one place. They can go anywhere they want. They can really go anywhere they want. And this this like mixing of culture and mixing of, of different ideas and societal values, that is what really makes a country a country, the immigrants and the influx of cultures and values that come into the country because of these immigrants. 
And unfortunately, that is all the time we have today. I'm sorry. So sorry about that. But on the bright side, what you do have to look forward to is the fun fact of the day. The fun fact of the day today is that chewing gum actually burns 11 calories. So just do that a couple of times throughout the day and you will be in very fit shape by the end of this year. So I hope you take that to heart and hope it works out for you. And yeah, that's an overview of migration for this episode. Next week at exactly this time, we will be covering specifically the causes and effects of uh, migration in South Asia specifically and then on to other mysteries of South Asia. But for now, that's all we got. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. The absolute greatest day of your life. Keep checking your phone. Something good is going to happen today. And that's all I got. Thank you for listening. It's been super fun learning with you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Join me next week as we explore another part of the vast, mysterious lands of South Asia. I'm looking forward to exploring something new that you've never heard about next week. Talk soon.